don't listen to Thurman Stand, it's Christmas in July. Build a snowman out of my flat, it's Christmas in July. Even though on the pavement eggs will fly, come out and celebrate, it's Christmas in July. That's right, Christmas in July. Old Rhyme Dorman's gonna get the gift of insuring old man a ride to a movie of his choosing. St. Nick's out of the workshop, it's Christmas in July. Mrs. Claus rocking a bikini top, it's Christmas in July. We may not be Santa, but we'll give it on his try. Coming out and celebrate, it's Christmas in July. Hot dogs and candy canes, it's Christmas in July. Turks letting on grass plains, it's Christmas in July. No need to check the calendar, nothing's gonna ride. We're all just celebrating Christmas in July. We just love that Christmas season full of Yuletide and cheer. But just cause the weather gets hot, don't mean it happy once a year. String the lights on the beach, it's Christmas in July. We got a new old holiday to teach, it's Christmas in July. They say over six months left of the gonna comply. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas in July. Merry July, everybody. Today is a very special day. Mr. Dorman here has selected another beautiful film for my brain nourishment. Now, last year, Excellent. Now, last year we did mm-hmm. The Secret of the Magic Gourd, which was a Disney oh, film. Yeah. Yeah, it was a Disney film that uh, was co-produced with uh, Chinese, uh, the Chinese government or something. Something I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember. But it was a very strange film. And it was between that and The Straight Story. Yes. And I thought that you would make me watch The Straight Story this year. But I did bring up to him this year that it would be a little different. He could choose anything from a number of streaming services. So very well, Mr. Dorman, you have decided instead of making me watch The Straight Story, you are going to go even further back in David Lynch's mm-hmm. catalog to his very first feature film, That's which correct. was 1977's Eraserhead.
Yes. Which yeah, you I, deemed I, as one of your favorite films of all time. It is my favorite movie of all time. Okay. It's your favorite Number movie one. of all time. Yes. Now, my favorite movie of all time <laughs> is Back, Back to the Future. To the future. I, I, I don't know how is... I knew that. I was a complete guess. <laughs> which is Back to the Future, <laughs> which is uh, as far from this film as possible <laughs> in being a very contemporary uh, American film with a very tight script and very tight editing and tight directing. Oh, yeah. I agree with all of those about made, Erased Ahead. Made, <laughs> made a bajillion dollars at the box office. Okay, well, that didn't where, happen. With yeah. <laughs> and Eraser Head instead uh, is the exact opposite. Uh, while both, both of those films are in the National Film Registry. I will say that. Hmm. So they have that in common. But I don't think Back to the Future is going to get a Criterion release. Hey, give it time. Soon. Wally <laughs> is on the Criterion collection. Oh, are you, are you mad about that? Were you? In the uh, the, no, the, I almost bought it. Um, I, I did I actually, buy it. Yeah, I did. I, I looked into that. Um, it was not the Criterion collection, nor Disney who pushed for it. It was, it was Andrew, Andrew Stanton, Stanton himself. Yeah, yeah, and and that made me feel a little better about it. Yeah, he Andrew just Stanton to basically. Do his, Basically was like, I've always been wanted to be in the Criterion Collection. And yeah. he said, hey, this is likely regarded as Pixar's most, uh, you did know, he do artistic. John Carter? Yes, he did. That should have been in the Criterion Collection. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, not as many people have seen it as many That's Criterion right. films. <laughs> so yeah you might have a point there uh but yeah he he wanted to do that uh and they said uh you know what it's it's artsy enough let's let's do it and a lot of film nerds go no they're gonna preserve wally forever you can't do it i'm like shut up it's just nice special features and a nice release I wish there were better special features. A lot of it is uh, repurposed from the older releases. It is. Um, but there is like a new discussion with Andrew Stanton, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There's there's a bunch. Yeah, there's a few. There's quite a few um, special features. And uh, like they go through the they go through the Pixar archives, which is very interesting at Mm -hmm. one point. And he like gets a bunch of like old concept art, which I've never seen on any of the like Pixar releases. So that was very cool. Yeah, that's worth the eighty million dollars to get it on four K. It's like forty bucks or something. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Um, okay, but so today, uh, yeah, you gave me the chance to pick any movie, and I actually, to be completely honest, my initial thought was, can I get Inland Empire into this discussion, um, which is three hours long? Yeah, complete I, complete nonsense. And I asked you, and awesome, make me watch something that's three hours long. <laughs> no, I, and I, I, so I decided. I said, uh, Eraserhead is like a short eighty-seven minutes. I think eighty-nine. Um, yeah, yeah, eighty-nine minutes. Uh, it, it is short, and uh, it makes for good discussion here. I think uh, talking about Eraserhead is a minefield because you you can make an ass out of yourself very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's it's an interesting intersection. It is both one of the most, I would say, one of the most complicated populist surrealist movies ever made. Right, so it's it's a very deep and thick movie. I think I remember when he was at the uh, American Film Institute, he pitched it and they agreed to fund it because it was like a thirty page script. It was it was a twenty. So I did look right. at it because uh, immediately afterwards, of course, <laughs> I watched this and I'm like. 
there's no way I'm talking about this at, at least consulting the <laughs> Wikipedia because I need to like at least get my mind around it. Uh, pretty much it was a 21 page script mm-hmm. and the, the AFI was like, oh, all right, OK, this will be like what, like a 30, you know, minute long film. Sure. All right. And then David Lynch is like, ah, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I do way longer takes than you were expecting. Yeah. There's like no yeah. dialogue in the movie and it's all, most of the dialogue scenes are a little long. So it makes sense why you get like 20 pages and actually a lot was cut out of the yeah. movie. Um, and so 20 we'll minutes was cut out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the uninitiated, a very brief plot synopsis of the lovely movie Eraserhead, which you should go see. And then Ryan is going to tell us all about his impressions. Though I believe which you've by, seen it before. By the way, I uh, just want to let everybody know that if you do want to see that, it is available on Max. That's right. So that is where uh, that that is where I watched it. Yeah, yeah. You can get it on Max, or if you if you want to watch it on the Criterion Channel, you can get that mm-hmm. too. Right. And you should get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Eraserhead is a to tell it very briefly is a is a, a lovely story about a young man, lovely. Um, who <laughs> a young man and a young woman who face the 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 problem of young pregnancy. Very young pregnancy. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a movie. It's a lovely movie about uh, well, what has happened when uh, two people must come together and raise a child that neither of them want. Um, clearly, neither of them want this kid, and also when the kid looks like a horrible, uh, you know, alien fetus. With no body, <laughs> and and it's no so gooey. horrifying to look at that David Lynch. David Lynch won't reveal how he did it. Yeah, <laughs> I've he, heard he would blindfold the guy because it was a very small team who did this film. He would mm-hmm. blindfold the projectionist who did the dailies. <laughs> Just so he didn't so, see how it was put so, together. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I've always heard like fetus, like rabbit fetus is mm-hmm. what I initially heard, but I, I, I kind of doubt it. It looks a little too sculpted. I, well, that's the thing. I, I'm like looking at this. It's like, uh, so what are we talking about? That that David Lynch took and puppeteered a rabbit fetus? So I, the, part of that story, I think, is a little, at least in my research, I think part of that story is a little bit conflated. Uh, between two stories. Uh, one of them is that there's a cut scene in the film where uh, D- uh, Jack Nance, the main character, Henry, uh, pokes at a dead cat in like a pool of oil. And that's like a big wives' tale over whether that scene was like filmed or released mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. And then there's another story that um, uh, uh, Catherine Coulson. Uh, the log lady from Twin Peaks, who was the uh, like the, the uh, like assistant producer or something, she just generally ran stuff for David at the time. Went to local um, maternity wards and collected uh, umbilical cords for scenes in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I think that part of it, that story about it being a fetus is a mix between the dead cat and the umbilical cords. Mm-hmm. Um, because it looks to me, it doesn't look like a fetus to me. It looks too real. And they made this movie over five years, right. which 
to me seems weird that the baby looks the same in like every scene and yet it's a fetus because that right, would well, go bad but, really yeah fast. i don't believe that also because they're they're using this creature mm-hmm. several times for many of the different horrifying visions that henry yeah. sees and uh like one time his head is knocked off and Pops up the little uh, horrifying alien <laughs> ad. Uh, not only that, but they also do like put some extra prosthetics when the uh, creature becomes sick. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty much, uh, this is all a metaphor about Lynch's daughter. Lynch's daughter. Well, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's. This is what people think. Sure. His his daughter was born with clubbed feet, and she had to have many corrective surgeries over that. And this combines with Lynch's fear of fatherhood, yeah, and of what he has wrought by bringing this woman into the world, who would eventually go on to give us a lot of really bad movies. Uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're a fan of boxing, Helena. But uh, I've never seen any of yeah. the, his daughter's stuff. I know she wrote a couple Twin Peaks books, but I don't know anything about her. She movies. directed a lot of television, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, uh, but I, uh, <laughs> yeah, and so so definitely, you know, the movie very generally right is about those things. There's also parts about it which are um, definitely about like the requirement of being there for your your kids and losing like your independence mm-hmm. in uh, like family life. You know, clearly. In the film, Henry, the main character, who's working at this factory and kind of lives like this weird Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin life where he just walks around like a silent movie character all day mm-hmm. carrying groceries, um, <laughs> is forced to live in this tiny apartment all day long and take care of this kid. And across mm-hmm. the street, across the hall, there's these hot women who like him, but he's unavailable to be with them. and. His wife just nags and complains all day. And then uh, then basically bandits him. Yeah. Yeah. And then outside, people are being stabbed and murdered. It's this well, horrible, horrible world. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So another thing that you need to know about Eraserhead is that it is intentionally made to where not only is the world outside the most unpleasant environment mm-hmm. ever, like uh, I guess Lynch – compared this to his time living in philly i believe yes he had just left philly and he tells multiple stories of walking down the street with a bat and like people breaking into his house thinking it was empty and him Mm -hmm. having to go attack them and they had the kid at the time Um, right so he talks Mm -hmm. yeah yeah at the time in philly was just horrible right so he basically makes this wear to it it's almost it's almost like a post-apocalyptic atmosphere but it's not yeah. But that's he kind of has that feeling. But combined with this is the sound design, and the sound yes. design is one of the most uh, very uh, what is it amazing um, things in like the, whole world. The, the most iconic things about this movie. Sure. I did. I, I sent you a message of a photo of my cats <laughs> looking straight at me. Yeah, and it's while I'm watching Eraserhead, and I can only like. I don't know what they're staring at me for, but I can only imagine they are like the sounds that are coming out of your phone are so fucking disturbing. What the fuck <laughs> did you just say? <laughs> what did you just say? 
<laughs> that that they're like, what the hell is going on over there? Go back. I need you to repeat what you just said. The sound's coming out of what? My phone. I your, did watch it on your my phone. phone. You watched a racer head on your fucking telephone. <laughs> Have you I seen did. that video? That David Lynch is like, you seriously think you watched a movie on your telephone? Get real. <laughs> I'm I'm very sorry, but I was I was very tired. And no, you couldn't <laughs> put it on the TV. And I didn't want to go into the living room because it was so unbearably hot. So, oh my I, god, I watched it on my phone, and my phone is quite big. It's it 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 no. did it. I, <laughs> no, I was yeah. <laughs> Actually, here's a. a I will say this, and this is first off, I can't believe you watch this on your phone. Second, did you at least wear headphones? Uh, I did once the cats were being disturbed. Okay, well, I suppose that's okay. There's a David Lynch quote, the famous one that everyone talks about is him about the movies on the telephone. In fairness, he did release a quote like five years later that was like, phones are getting big enough that if you have good headphones and you're in a dark room, then it's it's okay, I guess. Very begrudgingly, it's okay, I guess. Um that is a cardinal sin. I cannot believe you did that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Am I, I, you, like, phones are big enough. No. I, <laughs> no. I'm sorry. I couldn't get into uh, rent in my local AMC. And put rent I, I have seen it in theaters before. And, yeah. Um, it actually is. It's very nice. Uh, the so So, yeah, the film... Like it's a kind of a difficult film to talk about, um, you know, knowing a lot about the, it's not really a film that you quite want to solve because there are themes about, you know, parenting and, and the difficulty with children. Um, the whole movie partially, you know, David calls it, I don't want to call him David, David Lynch calls him, uh, it his most, uh, his most spiritual film. Yes. And it makes sense because right before Racerhead, I think he was, I read his autobiography and he talks about being severely depressed until he discovered transcendental meditation, mm-hmm. uh, which did lead him, I think, to make the movie. Mm-hmm. So you get this, um, the film is broken into pieces, the beginning where he discovers that his wife, his girlfriend, excuse me, is pregnant the middle of the movie where he fantasizes about living in the radiator with the women with the big cheeks as his wife is ready to leave. Okay. Can you explain the cheeks? Sure. Um, Well, and then very quickly, very briefly, uh, the film concludes with uh, Henry uh, fed up with the fact that he can't sleep with the hot woman across the hall, fed up with being alone, fed up with the horrible world outside. So he um, murders his he child. murders the child. Yeah, I recommend watching the movie. Uh, trying to the the spoilers are a lot very visual, but if you're listening to Unbuilt, I imagine you're not the person to go see a racer hood. So <laughs> I don't feel that bad. About a- say <laughs> you should be the person to go see a racer head. Um, so so the majority of the film is told in the day to day life of Henry, uh, with brief sidetracks uh, into different areas. The majority of which being a. Why do they call it Spencer on the Wikipedia? Is it because it's his last name? Is that it? Henry Henry Spencer. Henry Spencer. Okay, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, I believe his name is Henry. It's Henry. Yeah, because they always say Henry. Henry. I think his name is Henry Spencer, and then the girl's name is Mary X. Yes, Mary X, and then there's the everybody else has 
besides the the what the uh the in-laws bill the mm-hmm. freaking weird guy who yeah. has the chicken that i love him he's okay awesome. but, oh my god i mean just there's so many questions i have what the fuck is mm-hmm. with the chicken scene i just well i i think uh, so so the, the chicken the... scene is that supposed to represent like the what like the if her period finally coming oh because god. she went like she finally got like the premium i don't know what well this- in my in my opinion again i don't, i'm not a scholar on this but in my opinion yeah. eraserhead is best seen and i think all of david lynch's movies and it's why people fall into pitfalls it's best seen as a uh, everything is should be like uh, oh it's um uh, he says uh concrete abstractions is what he calls mm-hmm. all of his scenes okay and i think that scenes like the dinner scene are not supposed to be in my opinion like strong metaphor for something literal i it's think that's supposed to be something fucked up okay all right I, well, I, no not that either i think yeah. he's abstracting the feeling of meeting your girlfriend's parents mm-hmm. okay like he talks of i read a story of him where he once wore to meet his first wife um his, his first wife's parents, he wore two ties to dinner and they made fun of him. He didn't <laughs> know that, why. We're just talking yeah. about Back to the Future. That's like Back to the Future Part 2. It's kind of. I think flies. the first scene, that dinner scene is to me, I mean, sure, I think that there's like, obviously there's very sexual parts of it. Um, the mother has like an orgasm at the dinner table. Well, yeah, she starts like having an orgasm and then goes out crying. It's like. The father is like incredibly weak and. Yeah. He's a family man, and mm-hmm. in David's world, a family man is like a, a pathetic loser yeah. <laughs> who loses his life. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I also think, like, I don't know, I've been in times where I've met my girlfriend's parents, and I have just felt like the world was ending because I had no clue what was going on. I felt that everybody was a robot. <laughs> it, was, it was very weird. And if um, his girlfriend's parents are listening, Hi. sometimes you sit down and it's like i have to be a fake person today you know i have Mm -hmm. to i have to pretend to be completely maybe i get in it because i feel nervous like anxious Mm -hmm. but i think part of it is like yeah you're listening to these people talk and anything could go wrong when the chicken comes alive there is something to say about how electricity and like progress you contrast like electricity the progress world and the evil versus like mm-hmm. the straight story is this quaint small town where everyone's nice and they like each other it does seem like maybe genetically modified chicken um being like the next step of the world that the world is taking and it's this horrible mutant bleeding thing yeah and nobody notices um I, that, that's the way I guess I always saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, why the mother tries to have sex with him, I don't know. Remember I, that scene? I, I like I'm. I can only think that the, the way I interpreted it mm-hmm. is that her she is in a sexless marriage. Yes, and she is jealous that her daughter is currently in a sex positive relationship even if she doesn't right it. that's the way i interpreted it no i, I think I, I agree with you because it seems like their relationship the mother and the father there is the natural end point of like having a kid is where right. mm-hmm. the dad becomes a catatonic worker and the mom is left unfazed maybe that's why you have the right. dog with the, well, you <laughs> the, also the puppies have, 
you also have the grandmother who is catatonic, yeah. who just puts the cigarette in her mouth. Yeah, she, she's got the cigarette in her mouth and she makes – the mom uses her as like a tool to make yeah. the salad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman in the radiator with the cheeks, I think that's just supposed to be maternal. You know what I mean? Like big – fertile cheeks what it looks like cottage cheese <laughs> well i think that's a f- effect of uh, to me that's an effect of the makeup um well yeah but, but i also I don't think know. That, I just don't yeah get it. yeah look i think that you you look at all of david lynch's women in his movies and his life and they're all like blonde cutesy well i mean that's uh there's also definitely something about fear of sex in there Sure. And For I sure. That, I think that the woman in the radiator is like, I, don't, I think like the purest mm-hmm. human embodiment of like pure love, you yeah. know, and, and I think it, can, it, it, re- well, it, that it represents Henry's desire to leave the horrible. Yeah. To get the fuck out of that yeah, about, right. hotel mm-hmm. yeah, um, or wherever he's living, that little apartment, apartment with yeah. the, the slow elevator doors. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I I think that I mean the problem with the Racerhead is that a lot of it, especially talking about it in any long form sense, is that so much of it is it's visual and it's it's the shock of of seeing it for the first time. I I am vaguely jealous of anybody who was lucky enough in nineteen seventy seventy eight seventy nine when they were running midnight showings every showings, week. Yeah, this in LA. that was a it was it gained popularity as a midnight showing, and yeah. because of this. Critics initially dis- hated it, kind of like disgusted of it, and yeah. then it's reached a kind of a contemporary rebound. You know, especially mm-hmm. as Lynch became more and more popular on the scene. I think, and- yeah, his style definitely was very forward thinking. It's funny that now people really identify with it. Maybe they didn't in the seventies. It's funny though the big um the guy who got Lynch's next job uh, who really liked Eraserhead was uh, Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so you have yeah. uh, you you have basically no one watched this movie. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I tell me your thoughts. What 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 did you think? You haven't seen this. You said since film school, right? That was oh god, twelve <laughs> thirteen years ago. And I mean, like I can barely remember it. I can remember it as much as I can remember Aronofsky's Pie. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, so so I watched it, and that's also why I didn't feel bad watching it on my fucking phone because I've seen it in a Boo. screening room before. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it in a screening room before, so whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, I kind of remember this, and. Mostly, mostly the thing that gets me about it is the sound design. And that's mm. what I was talking about. Like this, we, we really didn't describe it because we got it kind of distracted there. Yeah. Uh, the sound design is uh, Lynch worked on it for a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. He worked on it for a year and initially, apparently uh, he made it too loud. And so he had to like redesign it a bit. He, but he, he, like the first showing, if I remember correctly, he had them keep yeah. turning the volume up and then it was just completely, you couldn't even listen to it. Right. Mm-hmm. It was so loud. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty much designed to be extremely unpleasant. Like that's, that's kind of the atmosphere he has, he has going there. It's a lot of 
loud droning noises, a lot of unpleasant noises, uh, and intentionally so because they were supposed to, you know, feel what Henry feels, which mm. is trapped in this horrible world, and that is, and, and it almost never stops, and it's you know. It almost makes it almost makes the crying of the horrible baby creature, you know, almost a welcome sigh of relief, even if it's supposed to be terrible and something that you are offset by. Honestly, I thought the cackling by the the creature at the that that more upset me more than the crying did, because that was mm. just so disturbing of the, the literal baby cackling and taunting Henry. I love that he laughs yeah. at Ernie, like uh, in <laughs> Sesame Street. <laughs> he does because like, you're right. Because when he starts, uh... <laughs> yeah, he's like a little. The thing, one thing that doesn't get enough, um, I don't think gets enough attention about a racer head is just how uh, how funny the movie is. Like how, you know, at least to me, I think it's very funny. It is very weirdly, darkly funny. And yeah, I think that you, yeah. it's like, it's funny in the way that uh, part of it in like a silent movie, I think that the beginning yeah. almost looks exactly like, you know, when uh, Henry's walking up and down the little hills mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, but then it, it just becomes a lot of very dark sight humor from, from the baby laughing yeah. uh, to the people stabbing each other outside. Mm-hmm. I thought was kind of funny. And right. uh, even so the titular just, moment. Just, my, my favorite biggest laugh was when he sees the man that the beautiful lady across the hall is. Yes. The like balding guy. Balding, ugly guy. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's this very much of a taunting thing of, you know, of the way that, you know, Henry sees his bad luck. Yeah. Uh, as he's been yeah. surpassed by somebody who is far less physically attractive than him. And he was you know, limited by yeah, the, the, the child. By the child. And it's the yeah. thing that's pulling him back. And his, he has like so much anxiety and bitterness about this that, uh, I mean, pretty much, uh, my my question to you is that uh, have you ever watched a racer Ed while eating? While eating food? Yes. Many times, yes. Oh my god, how? I've seen Racerhead six times, and I'm sure. How had... do you watch this while eating? I, I had popcorn when I saw it in theaters. Okay, well, popcorn, yeah, but I think know? I had pizza once when I was. Oh my watching god, it. are you serious? Yeah, because I I see him, I I, I really do. I see the the baby is very cute. I don't see him as gross. (laughs) Is the baby, okay, I am definitely posting a poll on Twitter. Is the baby (laughs) in a wrestler head cute? He is adorable. I would buy a plushie. He grows all big. I love him when he's big. He's got the, when he's got the really big head. I love that. I think he, I think the baby is very sweet. I think, um, I think it's a testament to the character design that, I think it captures both the horror of having like a kid, like the horror in terms of the how striking it is to your personal life, but also how like in, in, uh, instinctually cute we think babies are. Okay. Oh, check. they sell plushes on Etsy, huh? <laughs> oh my God, these are horrifying. Um, I like him. <laughs> would, you, would you spend 350 bucks? <laughs> They're a little pricey. I'll say this. There are eraser head earrings. If I had more confidence, this, I would wear this, those. This looks like, like, 
it looks like E.T. before E.T. in a sort of way. In a, a, in a way, yeah, yeah, in a little bit, yeah. I mean, also, there's there's a lot of um, imagery of it's supposed to. A lot of people say it's supposed to resemble um, sperm. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think the the sperm. Um, well, that 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 is, uh, I think, clear because in the beginning, is the best sex scene in any movie ever. Which is where the rock leaves Henry's head, and then sperm falls out of his head into the big pool. Because mm-hmm. the big the guy the man in the and the man on Mars, I think, is his character name, right? He pulls yeah, the, the lever, and the yeah. sperm falls out of the air into the big pit, mm. and that is like the conception, conception of the, yeah, the baby, yeah, of the horrible baby. Yeah. I want to mention very briefly about the sound design. Um, yeah, you're 100 percent right. I think it's Alan Splett did the sound design and he passed away relatively soon after the movie came out um like t- 10 years maybe um yeah the sound design is really good it is very reflective of the the music i listen to generally so when you say it's scary i think it's uh pleasant i like it it's very meditative oh and calm <laughs> no it did not no i'm sorry you don't like, like ambient like, I don't music even, i don't think that the the intent was ever to be that as well i, I think, think it's that, supposed it's supposed to be a threatening aurora it this, is a threatening eraser eraser head is the most movie with the most threatening aurora ever <laughs> um i i think i mean maybe. did he well they they even said like this the 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 tone and the the way the sound design it inspired people who are like uh like um Fincher when he was making Seven. I love the soundtrack from Seven. Yeah, yeah. So it inspired <laughs> yeah, him because Reznor and Ross. I think so. It definitely is supposed to be unsettling. I like how industrial it sounds. It always well, feels yeah. like there's a much bigger building outside of the room, which is funny because I think they built it in the horse stables in mm-hmm. California. And he lived in there for like four years, I think, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know how he did that. He lived in that apartment for like years and years and years because he had no house. Yeah. Um, or no, he did have a house. He just moved to California. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, the the sound of the sound design is just so it's so dense. It's really impressive. It's almost there's almost as much effort in that sound design as there are in other movies. The entire thing. Um, so it makes it an incredibly hard movie to live up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the part, the break. I, mean, I was going to mention this before the breakaway part where we, we learn about the titular eraser head. Yes. Well, uh, that's, that's the, the namesake of the movie. There's a vision where his head falls off, gets replaced by the, the baby's head, which is very funny. Uh, and uh, the f- head falls off, goes into uh, like the middle of a walkway. A boy finds it runs to a pencil factory where they take his, his brains and they make them into erasers. Yeah. Which is apparently is based on a daydream. David Lynch had about a boy taking a severed head to a er- uh, pencil, factory. pencil factory. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've actually never thought of a way to synthesize the two parts of the movie besides that they look neat. And that uh, the second part just is really inspired the eraser part, but I don't know how thematically it blends into the movie. Your guess is uh, as good as mine. I mean, I guess the idea is that 
Henry sees his brain or his self maybe being no more as good of use than it is to be making something as mm. an eraser. I don't know. Like I'm sure like, I'm like putting my pretentious film hat on going, it's like, this is what this means. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean like just kind of being like, this has to all have a higher meaning or it could be just something that Lynch thought was like you said, an ab you know, like concrete abstraction. You know, I, I think I like the yeah. idea, though. It's even a very it's not a very um, I, I, it's not even it's not a very like out there idea that, you know, his head just becomes nothing like it, at that point mm-hmm. in the movie. It's his low point. Right. Yeah. I'd say before everything pivots around uh, to him being. Him taking control of his life. Mm hmm. Because you said that this is not an optimistic movie. I said this is a very optimistic movie. Okay. What? Okay. All right. What is the happy ending here? Because I see the quote unquote happy part of it (laughs) as being very fantastical and that maybe he feels unburdened, but in reality, it's anything but. Well, I think that he, I don't think this baby, part of the reason why I'm not necessarily on the, it's his daughter thing. I think it's the feelings that were inspired by his daughter. Mm-hmm. Cause he really, I, from what I understand and from what his daughter says, he really likes his daughter. Well, yeah, I don't um, think he hates his daughter. I think yeah. this is an extrapolation of the anxieties he felt during her infancy. Right, but I don't even know if yeah. he wasn't. I don't know if he was ready to be a father. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't even well, know if he was ready thing, to be yeah. a father until his last kid. Probably um, not. Yeah, because he, you know, there's like stories about him and his daughter bringing a bunch of mud into the house and putting it on the kitchen table. So they really got along on the right. weird. I, I'm parts, not saying I don't. You know? I don't. I don't think that he wanted to murder his daughter. It's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, but I think that a large part of her like medical issues is what he is putting into this horrible creature. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I am dealing with a baby who is sick. Yeah. And the anxiety that comes from that. Yeah. But I think when he kills the baby, I think he's, he's to me, he's like accepting he's killing like the anxiety. Choosing to live like the more spiritual life, perhaps. To, maybe, maybe it's, like, it's almost like ending, you know, to no longer be depressed, right? You but kinda, then, what is what does it mean when the baby like suddenly grows to such a massive size of that? that I felt like it would just kind of like mirrors his decision that's growing upon him. It's like you mm. murdered me, you murdered me, murder me, and like really like growing upon him, and then him just kind of like finally just ignoring that and going to a transcendental place. Maybe, maybe Which, he, yeah, he's yeah. like, he tried to cut it, like he tried to deal with it, it grew too big, and then he escaped into the radiator, right? Everything's going to be yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, God yeah. says this will be okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I think that's good. I think that you, I mean, sure, everything is bigger and more difficult to cover than possible, but there's that silver lining that everything is going to be okay. Can we talk about the scene where the lady in the radiator like dances and then smushes a bunch of sperm? 
Yeah, that's right. So a okay. bunch of um, this is what those I'm, are the uh, those are the umbilical cords. Yeah, this is correctly. what I'm talking about when I say, did you really eat during a razor head? Because that scene goes yeah. out personally. Why not? I mean, so I really I'm a big uh, a body bunch horror of cum fan. Comes out. Yeah, a bunch of cum comes out of the little sperms. God. Um, I'm a big body horror fan. I mm-hmm. like. I've watched movies much much worse than that. Uh, you um, just love the Cronenberg and stuff. And- uh, yeah, I like Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah, I will say if you, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this at the end. I want to, I want to re- recommend anybody who watches a Razorhead because of today's show to go watch another movie. You as well, if you really don't like body horror and eating during that. But I, I think that yeah, I, I look at that as, I don't know, a big look. You have his wife who is very docile and submissive she leaves yeah but the whole time she's quiet right and he loves her i think yeah he does but then you have the woman across the hall who's interested in him Mm -hmm. um and then you have the mother who wants to sleep with him and then you have the woman in the radiator who is cute but like a warm a maternal very you know like literally you know how you like you look at maternal figures from South America. They're very like like I mean even the Indiana Jones one, right? They're mm. it's an embarrassing thing to use that as my example, but yeah, they they have like they're very voluptuous and 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 I guess big. They're big. I think the lady in the radiator, her cheeks and the slipping on the sperm is like a very dominating kind of kind of feeling there that she is there for him as like a protective figure in the radiator. It's what he desires. And him, the producer of the sperm in the beginning is nothing to her. She steps on it. She, Mm -hmm. she dances on it, you know, now there's things in the movie that I really actually do think about. And I don't have a good answer. For example, what's fast. Have you seen any of twin peaks? Uh, no, uh, I'll be honest. I've never seen any of Twin Peaks. It's like a, it's a blind spot for me. It's okay. I mean, you're not. You're the third season's really good. The first season is iconic. The second season, no thanks to Bob fucking Iger, well, is garbage. I know. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because that's again another thing that's come out in the whole thing as people. Well, that was like, in his hey. book, and I remember reading that a while ago. That was in Ride of a Lifetime. Yeah, I was. He released that book at an incredibly smart time, and coming back to the company was a fucking awful decision. Because <laughs> now that book just looks stupid. Because all of his decisions blew up in his face. He wants to write um, another book, apparently. Thank God, when he sells the company to Apple, he can do that. <laughs> uh, okay. No, so so uh, there's a scene. Some things that I have a hard time deciphering, and I'd love if anybody like listens to this and watches the movie and has a good answer. Um, go to my Twitter at open the dorm and tweet me because in the film, there is the obvious electricity. That's his thing. But on the side of his bedside table is a sycamore tree and a picture, a framed picture of the nuclear bomb. And that's important because twin peaks David Lynch's character, Gordon Cole, in season three has the exact same photo of the atomic bomb behind him at his chair on the FBI. 
and a whole episode is devoted to the uh, the atomic bomb being the origin of all human evil. Mm-hmm. And there's a song in Twin Peaks season two singing about sycamore trees. And in the unsuccessful follow-up to Eraserhead, Ronnie Rocket, um, which was a movie about a four-foot-tall man who ran on AC current. The lyrics from that Sycamore Tree song are in that movie script. I feel like, you know what this sounds like, honestly? I used to judge Taylor Swift fans a lot, but now I feel like I sound like a fucking Taylor Swift fan. You know what I mean? Oh, God. You, know, you ever listen to like a Taylor Swift fan who has all these big theories? Theories of you know, they're all connected. Yeah. So yeah, what I, you're telling used- me, what you're telling me is that Oppenheimer is going to have a very strange scene involving a, a sickly preemie baby creature. I think that at the end of Oppenheimer, there's a record scratch and David Lynch walks in yeah. again. Every year since the Fablemans, David Lynch is in the end of every big blockbuster. <laughs> There is a record that's the thing. That's the thing. He uh, he sits down and says, "Hey, you know why that atomic bomb scene worked? Because it's at the top of the fucking screen. It's above the horizon. It's above the fucking horizon." <laughs> I um, I, I'm actually. That's one thing I'm curious about. I don't know why there's a tree. I mean, besides the fact that the everything like looks nice. Sometimes I've read he just does things because he like it happened to him in his life or he just, I don't know. He like wakes up in like a daydream. That's how he paints. Um, but the, there's the coins and a bucket of water in his drawer and his drawer is filled with hay. And there's it a tree have on a bunch his... of dirt on his dresser. Yeah. The, the tree is inside the dirt and I don't know why he has a sycamore tree inside of his, on his dresser. The world um, may never know. There's like things in the movie. I think that's what makes his art so interesting. Uh, you know, is that he does surreal things, but his movies I think are very understandable. It's not like, you know, Jodorowsky, uh, where like you have literally no clue what the fuck is happening the whole time. Mm-hmm. I think you can generally be like, okay. Like if 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 David Lynch asks you what is a race road about, and you said it's about it has like something to do with uh, your fear of parenting. Yeah, your, fear, your of, fear parenting. of parenting. parenting He'd probably yeah. be like, yeah, probably like yes and or something like that. Yes and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the baseline stuff. You just want to box is, it in. Yeah. I, exactly. I get that. Yeah. The baseline stuff is really easy to understand though, but there's some things in that movie that I have literally no clue. Mm-hmm. Would you build the Eraserhead theme park attraction? Oh, God. Would you build Stitch Encounter with the baby? I would see that. Eraserhead would. Make turtle talk would would make for a pretty great horror nights maze. Oh my god! I mean, you make that baby, and then you have the scene where it grows big as a big scare at the end. It it. just comes. I would. I would go. And then you. Well, then you. I mean, you've never been to a horror nights. No, it scares the shit out of me. me. Yeah, but but you'd be surprised if you watch some POVs of these mazes. Just how esoteric that they can be because they're usually like they take scenes out of these horror movies but they don't take just the boo scenes they also take some of the very strange scenes so that scene where the lady in the radiator is dancing and squishing on the sperm 
If mm. this were a Halloween Horror Nights house, I guarantee you that would be a scene that you could walk by. I, I'm surprised you think this movie's scary. I don't think it's scary. I think it would be. I think it would be a very interesting, immersive walkthrough experience in the vein of Halloween Horror Nights. And mm. that's the thing: Halloween Horror Nights, they don't necessarily only like adapt. You know, just you know, um, what you call it, um, jump scare horror. Mm-hmm. Okay, they do do some other stuff that's less about that and more about recreating these theatrical scenes, and mm. that that's what I'm talking about is, is sort of like that. I mean, the, you know, they they uh, it's the recreation of scenes that I find is more interesting than anything else. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Okay, so there we go. We, you know, <laughs> so you would like to see that. Yeah, you know, you would, you would, you are like Werner Herzog in The Mandalorian saying, "I would like." I to want see to see the baby. the baby. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I hope that people listen to this episode and go see Eraserhead. I really mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Too few people have seen Eraserhead because all yeah. people should see Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. Well, I am very glad that you got your wish. Uh before we conclude, is there anything else you would like to say about Eraserhead? Um, let me see. Well, I can say one time I watched it with my girlfriend at the time and my grandfather. And I thought that was a very enlightening experience. So you should bring the whole family together to watch Eraserhead <laughs> yes. to Old Till. You know what? You should you should really eat some sausage while you do it. You, 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 it's not that gross. If anybody here is squeamish and they're afraid of watching a razor, don't worry. Ryan is lying to you. It's not that bad. I don't know. I just, just when they start, like the baby starts exploding into cream corn, just don't look, I guess. Um, when you see the baby's guts when he unfurls the bandages. (laughs) Yeah. I love that part. That could be the, that could be the fetus. Honestly, that I could believe Mm -hmm. that he, cause he did these things called kits for a while. Yeah. One was called, I think, bird kit, chicken kit, and fish kit, and he like took the animal apart on like a oh. piece of paper, oh. and like wrote little notes next to each of the body oh. parts. Well, they were all dead, so it's, it's okay. uh, still. Um, I will say, if anybody is interested, and you included, uh, if you want a movie that's similar to a racer head, uh, similar kind of body horror, but much more artificial and not natural, much more metallic. There's a Japanese movie called uh, Tetsuo, the Iron Man, mm-hmm. and it's very good. It's about a man who gets on the bad side of a metal fetishist, mm. and the metal fetishist inflicts a curse on him and turns the main character's body into like a like a like a metal monster. Kind of looks like a Power Rangers villain. Yeah, and, and I recommend watch everybody it? watch that. What I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere. You can watch it on Mubi, but I doubt you have Mubi. Oh, um, I, I know my movie. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that um you could probably find it somewhere. Yeah. Anyone <laughs> anyone should watch it. Look, I think if you if you're if you're listening to the Unbuilt show, you should expand your horizons. Go watch this. Yeah. Go watch Inland Empire. Go watch Mulholland Drive. Wow. Um I will be seeing Barbie later tonight. So, oh, really? Complete opposite. <laughs> I'll be seeing Barbie. I think on Friday, maybe at the mm-hmm. drive-in. 
Oh, wow. Do, you, yeah. do drive-ins do – I've only heard bad things about drive-ins nowadays. I love drive-ins. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, well, so I we live near really the biggest one. drive-in screen in the country. Ooh. Actually, I live near the biggest movie screen in the country. Nice. Which isn't that impressive when you're in your car like 100 yards away. It just looks like a normal movie screen. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen a bunch of movies. My local drive-in's been good. Like the only problem is when you go in the summer and it gets hot, it's hard to regulate the temperature because you can't have your AC on. Right. Because you'll you'll you need your engine on and you yeah. can't stall. Oh, right. So you end up you kind of have to suffer through it. And if it rains, it you have to turn your battery on every couple of minutes to get Jesus. the the rain off. But you know, you're connected to the car speaker, so you can control the volume at your leisure. And it's done through terrestrial radio. Um, mm. So it's not too bad. Yeah. I'll see Barbie Friday. And then I have 70 millimeter Oppenheimer tickets on Sunday. I had an idea. 70 millimeter IMAX, actually. Okay. I have an idea. Yeah. We take the sci-fi drive-in at Disney. Ooh. But instead of the loop, we put Eraserhead on it. I would, I would be there every day. <laughs> I would totally go see that. <laughs> They'll be just like, um, so we have an ADR for one person exactly, and it's Ryan Dorman just <laughs> sitting there. I would totally go see it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. So, anyways, um, this wraps us up for to this year's Christmas in July. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, and don't worry. Uh, if you want some garbage, uh, we at the end of the year for our Chris uh, for our Winter break fun day. I will definitely be forcing Ryan Dorman to be watching some Disney Christmas garbage. So you'll have that to look forward to. <laughs> Eraserhead. Christmas and Eraserhead. Like the Beauty and the Beast 2. I would watch that. <laughs> it's a midquel. And it's yeah. all about Mary and Henry. And they're in there. But but it's <laughs> what it's like. Uh, and hey, cr- cr- horrible creature, Santa's going to be coming. That's right. He <laughs> learns the value of Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> At the end, he meets Santa. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, 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 here, I've gotten this. It's a thermometer for the baby. You'll use it later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and for you, Henry, here's a pair of scissors. Be, be very mindful how you lose it. Uh, okay. <laughs> it introduces the the key. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, in the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at UnbuiltPod. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at UnbuiltPod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, or Spotify, or wherever you find this podcast. We currently have a Ko-Fi at Ko-Fi.com slash UnbuiltPod for $3 a month where we can where you can get bonus episodes and for five dollars you can also get your name read on the show we'd like to thank our current contributor joseph and tone please write a review and tell us how we're doing if you don't like us thank you for listening to on lynch i'm mackenzie wilkes see you guys see you